This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Hey everybody, welcome into episode 31. I'm Kenyon Clark here with Scott Clark and Jeff Fry. The last episode I said was episode 29. I screwed it up. It's actually episode 30. There was no episode 29 on Spotify because that's the one we did at Jeff's place um, at the, when we were burning it. And that was 29. So 29 is only on YouTube if you're looking for that one. But this one is 31. So tonight we're going to be talking about an article. We're going to go back to the North American Whitetail Magazine. It's by James Curl. Dr. James Curl. We've covered him, some articles by him before. It's usually pretty good stuff. So it's called Digestible Energy, the Most Important Factor in Whitetail Nutrition. So I thought with it being planting season in the ne- over the next few weeks to next month or so, this would be a good time to talk about digestible energy, which is, according to Dr. James Kroll, the most important factor in whitetail's nutrition. So while we're thinking about what we're going to be planting, this would be a good thing to go over, I think give guys an idea of what's really important. So with that, we'll just jump right into this. And after that, maybe we'll give an update on what you did today since we didn't have it covered on the vlog. And that's another thing. We are we do have a vlog now for what we're doing at Jeff's property. If you want to keep up with that, might do one if we do any other work. Maybe we'll do one at Nate's if he wants to do that. We might end up doing one over at the cabin too. We'll just have to see how it all works out. But right now there is one for Jeff's property. We've got a few, um, like I said, episode 29 is there and then the first actual vlog video was posted today when we were disking that so we'll just jump right into that and then we'll talk about uh jeff's article but jeff's article <laughs> you've been writing no we'll talk about yeah, jeff's spare time yeah, yeah. jeff's property let's not so, talk about that yeah okay so he starts off um, i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here he says ask the average deer hunter what the most important component of whitetail nutrition is and the overwhelming answer will always be protein this must be so because every advertisement for deer supplement or deer food seed varieties, deer food plot seed variety guarantees the highest level of protein available. Yet it might surprise you that the amount of crude protein in native deer forage or even a supplemental even a supplement falls to a weak third in the importance to deer nutrition. Research has shown the three most important aspects of good deer nutrition are digestible energy, phosphorus, and protein in that order. So I know we talk about the protein aspect sometimes, and obviously it is a third most important thing, maybe not necessarily the most important. We'll actually get into it a little bit later when he goes on here. Some of the high-protein stuff is also really digestible, so it's kind of a two-birds-with-one-stone thing. So not to necessarily say you want to forget about the protein stuff, especially depending on what's around, but... It's third most important. So if you've got stuff that's just protein, it's not really all that digestible. It's going to kind of, you're going to be wasting space, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, and a lot of times, the soybeans, where we're at, are providing a ton of protein anyway, even though you can get even more from like a clover plot and all that. Up but, to the stage. Right, correct. Yeah. So After they reach a certain growth stage, uh, they're yeah. not as digestible for the deer as they are, you know, like the younger soybeans are right so why do you think that why do you think protein is listed first then is it is it our, you mean are, we all, are we all first in whatever you hear not necessarily oh, yeah, for so, antler growth you, you think we're all being misled or you think it's just easier to advertise protein versus digestible i think I mean, a lot of it has to do with uh, marketing uh you know everybody wants food plots for these big bugs you know and so the protein has a lot to do with your antler growth during the development stages, you know, uh, bone and antler growth. And so that's what. That's an fo- easier that's, sell. That's what the focus is on. That's what I on. think. And, and it's more, I don't want to say people can understand it better, but it's kind of more like people get that a little easier. Like, oh, protein, that makes sense. Not if you're building body about, and muscles, you're, you're drinking <laughs> right. protein yeah. shakes. Right. They're, yeah, okay. yeah. They're not really thinking about phosphorus or the digestibility of it. Yeah. Which, and we'll get into that again here in the next one or two paragraphs. I think where he's talking about what you're talking about with the antler growth, um, just the growth in general, and then like the lactation and stuff. Um, the digestibility really helps that too, 
because again, if they don't digest it properly, they're not going to get everything out of it that right. they can. So, but how many articles do you see written about uh, doe health and mm-hmm. fawn health? You know, right? It's all focused on growing big bucks. Yep. And protein is always thrown out there as yep. one of your main ingredients. Yeah. So. Which is what he's saying. That's why I thought this would be a good one to kind of shed some light on what's actually going on, you know, and, and what's really maybe the most important. So he goes over kind of the inner workings of a deer's stomach and it's four chambered similar to cattle so i didn't want to read through all of that stuff you guys can go look it up look up why this kind of matters and and how their stomach works and all that but i'm going to skip ahead a little bit past all that stuff and he continues he says the foods deer eat include browse weeds and grasses plus fruits and nuts in season the digestibility of these foods will determine the amount of energy obtained from them Digestibility is the most is mostly determined by the amount of non-soluble fiber they contain. As a plant grows from early spring to fall, the amount of non-digestible fiber declines rapidly. The most digestible plants in order are weeds, browse, and grasses. The latter figure less in a deer's diet than for cattle. We talk all about all the time about how deer don't really like grasses. If you see deer out eating a grass in a grass field consistently, you probably got some issues as far as on what's on your property form as natural browse or food plots and stuff like that. Cause that's a good opportunity to improve that. Exactly. You're seeing something that should be a sign that you got some improvements to make. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So again, it gets into some more scientific stuff um, about the determination of a plant's digestibility, but he says a good DOM, which he describes as digestible organic matter, for deer forage is greater than 60%. Some of the deer foods we test in late summer may have DOM values of 20% or lower. In general, there is an approximate 90% correlation between the DOM of deer food and the amount of digestible energy present. So, when DOM declines in natural deer forages, the amount of available energy also declines, significantly reducing resources for body and antler growth, like what you're talking about, Jeff milk production, and surplus energy storage as white fat for the winter. So this is an all-year-round thing, too. Right. I mean, we're not just talking about um, giving them that energy for in the late winter, which arguably is just, I mean, it is just as important as any other time of year, but you're also going to see the benefit from it, you know, in that fetal development and then antler growth and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, a one-year type of thing or a one-time-of-year type of thing. So... I'm going to skip ahead again a little bit. It says what it means for managers. So that's kind of the science behind nutrition. Now let's talk about the application to management. And again, we didn't get into all the science about it, but you guys can look that up if you want. He says it's safe to say there are a few geographic areas or even seasons when deer have everything they need in the way of energy and nutrients to fully satisfy their needs. Yet deer survive despite these deficiencies. However, there's a huge difference between surviving and reaching their optimum potential. A good management program includes manipulation of native vegetation to encourage healthy plant growth growth over the most of the growing season. Strategies such as prescribed burning, disking, mowing, timber thinning, and fertilization are extremely beneficial. Again, we talk about that all the time. Deer very rarely at any point in the year have everything they need all at the same time. And especially, you know, like the latter beginning part of the year and late part of the year like that december to february stage where there's no green for them there's not very much digestible energy at all unless you're feeding and stuff like that that's where you can really i think see a benefit from the work you're putting in if you have something for them that time of year and then again like what he's talking about there managing not just your food plots but also your timber depending on what you got there, doing some disking. Like if you've got big grass fields, you can go in and spray that stuff and disk it, let the natural browse grow back, the weeds and stuff that they're going to have during the summertime and in the fawning season. And you're going to see benefit from that too. So like I said, rarely do they have everything they need, but you can definitely get them closer. And then again, he says there's a difference between surviving and then like optimal, how do you word that in there? Between surviving and reaching their optimal potential. Surviving or thriving. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, pretty much. So what you're doing may be the difference between that buck just making it another year and actually making that jump 
from, you know, three and a half to four and a half, or four and a half to five and a half, um, that big antler jump too. So again, nothing's magic and it's not going to make a 150 inch deer, a 220 inch deer, but you're going to see some benefit from it if you got that stuff out there. I think that's the thing we talk about a lot too, not just, you know, thriving versus surviving. Because all antler growth is from, any extra antler growth is from surplus. They got to meet their needs first to survive. And then any surplus they have is going to benefit that antler growth. So whether that comes from your natural brows or your food plots or your supplements and proteins and stuff, which he talks about a little bit. And uh, we'll, he'll finish the article with talking about some of that stuff. But that's ways that you can push them past the surviving point into the thriving point. I think we've seen some of that, you know, even just in probably when you were running that food plot where we're putting the one back now, I mean, you probably saw some benefit from that then. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, as far as the bucks go, bucks don't hang out at my property. It's not big enough, but you know, I can bring them in off the neighboring properties, you know, and you'd see them come out there and feed and then they go back, you know? Right. And you could tell over a couple of years time, you know, that the, just the, the, physical appearance of them not just necessarily their racks but just to look like they're overall healthy animals than what they was before now i'm not taking away from natural brows natural brows is a main ingredient you know i was walking through the woods uh, yesterday and i noticed the blackberry briars are putting out green leaves now and you can see where the deer's been going along and eating them green leaves off of them you know here in uh, a month or so I got a lot of itchweed, what we call itchweed, in my woods, and they'll start going along and eating that, mm-hmm. you know. And so they know what they need and where to get it and yep. and what they need at certain times of the area. All we're doing with the food plots is just throwing something extra out there for them, giving them more of a buffet, yep. you know, to choose from. Especially there at your place because with that, you know, the logging that went on there how many years ago has that been now? five five years so you've got a ton of native brows in there for them Mm -hmm. and then some woody brows and stuff too and then of course you got all the ag fields around them so anything that we can add for that fall late winter because obviously we're going to have it there all year round right but i think they're going to you know get the most benefit out of that plot when everything else is kind of dying and your woods isn't as green as it's going to be in a yeah, few weeks yeah uh, and that you know that clover and chicory and those and even those beans we put out there and leave later than what the farmers got yeah. um and then we do winter oats or wheat or rye or whatever yeah. or a combination of things all that's really going to benefit them you know it's gonna like you said just be an addition to what's already there because you've already got a good a pretty good mix of all the other right. elements you need just especially with that you know the woods thinning like what he talks about yeah and a lot of guys they get so stuck up on, we've talked about it before, having all this timber, big mature timber. That's not really the best thing for deer. Number one, you need diversity, you know, just in anything. With that big mature timber, I mean, you've been walking through, we've all been walking through big mature timber and the, the ground floor of that stuff. There's just nothing there. Leaf litter, not a lot of growth. The deer don't benefit from that. Not unless you got a white oak stand and then it's only just you know, a few months in the fall. Yeah, on a good year. On a good year. Yeah, and that's that's where I was going to go next with that is they get caught up on, well, man, I've got all these white oaks and acorn trees. We've talked about it before. If you've got 10 oaks all patched up and they're all growing like this, okay, so you've got this many acorns on each tree and nothing on the ground floor. If you go and thin a few of those things out, you know, which is okay to do, you can cut down oak trees. There's no law against it. You're going to have that growth like... It made me cry if you cut them all down, though. Well, right. But <laughs> there's a few left. <laughs> there's a, You're going to have that growth you know, out as well, so you're going to reach more potential number of acorns from fewer trees and get more sunlight to the ground floor and have that natural browse, too, so you get the best of both worlds. Right. But you can't get too caught up on that, which is where, like what you're talking about in your woods, there are a few you know, oak trees left, which is, you know, between that and all the sunlight that's getting to the ground floor now, the ag that's all around it, then we just add this food plot in and then the supplemental feed and stuff that we're going to do. I think we're going to see a lot of benefit from it. Yeah. And have before. Yeah. So as a consultant and a land manager, do you find you have, do you have any trouble talking to landowners that says, 
hey, I want this for pro, you know, protein, 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 because that's all you hear advertised that in everything you see, it's, it's, it's protein, protein, protein. How do you convince them that, okay, maybe that's not all you need? Or, or do you have trouble doing that? Or they listen to you? Or is it just commercial after commercial after what I saw on TV? Well, I, there's only a couple guys that I can think of that I have actually mentioned wanting to plant stuff for protein. And then that's where I think you just talk about kind of what's in the article or what I do. You know, protein's great, but you can plant stuff. You can give them the best of both worlds by planting like a clover and chicory blend and give them a really good digestible energy source that also has protein in it. You know, so that's, if you can't get it through their head, then it's maybe not the most important thing. At least you can give them that. And it's still knowing that that clover and stuff is really digestible. So it's hitting both marks there. Um, and a lot of guys like wanting to expand food plots and stuff, you know, and get more stuff in the ground for protein versus having that natural browse that might be more digestible, especially at certain times of the year. I think that's probably where we run into more issues is trying to get them convinced that the weeds and stuff are okay. And that natural browse and the, blackberry briars and all that stuff and that itch weed is not a bad thing to have during the summertime you know when the yeah. does are falling and stuff i just know you watch these hunting shows and yeah i just watched a couple last night as a matter of fact and it was all just just pound 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 you know protein antler growth protein antler growth and you know if you don't know you don't know you just that's what you hear all right. the time and that, you can have you can have clover but unless you maintain your clover uh the digestibility of it goes away. Mm -hmm. uh, the stems and that become more fibrous, and so they're not... Yeah, they're more woody. Yeah, they're not hitting as much, and so the way to maintain that is after it gets certain heights going there, mower, bush hog, whatever, mow it down so that way it starts putting on new growth again that the yep. deer can benefit from. Yep. And uh, there might be a situation where protein is a big need that they have, but again, it's just every situation is different, so... But you, I think it's more important to meet those first two needs first, obviously. But if you can knock out two birds with one stone, you can do that. But you don't you don't hear anything about, no. particularly phosphorus. Let's just, right. I mean, we talk about digestible right. every now and then. You'll talk about this is good for what they like to eat. Well, that's another word saying it's digestible. You never heard nothing about phosphorus. Yeah, which, you know, if you do a lot of those soil building blends in the summertime and stuff, that's really good about pulling the phosphorus up out of the soil for them to eat. Not only is it bringing that up for the crop you might want to plant in the fall to use, mm -hmm. but that deer are going to benefit from that and, as well. And maybe that's just not a pretty advertisement. You no, know, may, Maybe protein sounds prettier than phosphorus. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's more marketable. It's more marketable yeah. word because more people know about it. Yeah. But why do they know about it? Because it's been marketed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't think about people – I mean, maybe you do a little bit digestibility, but like, gosh, how many foods do you know that have phosphorus in them? But you know, steak has protein, so it's more relatable, I think, as people. So it's already kind of there, and yeah. then like you said, they just protein, 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 push it all out. And maybe it's easier to produce. I don't know. Uh, but I think we probably hit on a little bit of the reason. And then, you know, some of that natural browse and stuff will have phosphorus, mm -hmm. you know, better phosphorus content in it as well than some of these food plots and supplements and all that. Right, and a lot of your uh, your supplements, uh, if you read the ingredients, you know, phosphorus is added in there. Yep. A lot of phosphorus and a lot of um, basically salt. Yep, you know, but, yep. and that's which one is thing. an important diet in deer's. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying you don't hear about it. And right. I'm just curious well, to know many, why you don't hear about. It. Obviously, if these guys are producing this kind of material for deers and and for for hunters to put on their ground it, it's got phosphorus in it obviously or right it wouldn't work yeah yeah but but, how many how, you hear about protein shakes how many times do you hear about phosphorus shakes? <laughs> exactly. you know yeah. and so i mean that's just it's all a lot so, of advertisements what sells the relatability i yeah. think is the biggest thing but again like what you're saying some of those supplements and stuff do have phosphorus content that is one of the first things they put on there and digestibility is a focus of theirs, and that's where you got to really pick through what's the commercialized marketing stuff and what actually is good and is going to work, mm -hmm. you know. So that's just a, you know, a few points there, and I wanted to really hit on that part of this article, but we'll go ahead and finish it up. He says, There's also a legitimate place for supplementation in the form of highly digestible crops such as cereal grains, we talked about, legumes, and chicory, clover chicory. Right. In managing forage crops, 
It is not about their protein content. Rather, it's the amount of digestible energy they provide when critically needed. Again, when they need it, have it out there for them. Supplemental feeds, where legal, can also provide highly digestible material and have been shown to greatly influence both fawn recruitment and antler growth. Lastly, my research has shown deer orchards to be extremely beneficial in providing deer nutrition throughout an extended portion of the year. An orchard plot consisting of hard and soft mass that ripens and falls to the ground at distinct intervals throughout the late summer, fall, and early winter is ideal. Once orchards mature and become productive, they can produce high levels of tonnage that's highly digestible for deer. Hopefully, this column introduced you to a new way of thinking about and evaluating the nutrition of your deer. It certainly improves a lot more than it certainly involves a lot more than crude protein. So, number one thing you hit on there, or the first thing you hit on, and obviously, um, we get these guys in here, the supplements and stuff, and like we keep talking about, we're going to use them, um, start running their stuff, and now we're getting into the really good time of year to do it. You know, we're in getting toward the latter stage of gestation, and then we're hitting the early stages of antler growth because as soon as they drop them, they start regrowing them. So, it's that supplements and stuff, which, you know, like we said, our sponsor, Rack's Big Game Supplements. They're a veteran-owned company out of northeast Nebraska. Uh, they're deer hunters just like us that, at the time, what was on the mineral and supplement market was not what they were looking for, which kind of some of the stuff we've been talking about. So. They did a lot of research, uh, and they developed Rax products, um, and they've got one of the best mixes available that'll improve not only you know the overall health like we're talking about, but they're not going to feed your non-target species either, which we talk about every week. I mean, when we hit on this, uh, it's a wonder how they do it, but it's a pretty nice benefit. You know, something that a lot of guys don't even think about when you're thinking about feeding supplemental and stuff. How much money you're actually just throwing away because of the coons and the squirrels and everything else that's eating it. They got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. You can use discount code RHO22 at checkout and receive 5% off your entire order at RaxMineral.com, R-A-K-S-Mineral.com. And you can also stop by the shop that's now open and see what we have in stock. You can make an order for what we don't. And we will have some of their stuff in stock soon. I'm going to try to put some stuff out there to get an order together for them, for guys who want it, and then obviously our stuff and, and... that way we can maybe get some of that stuff in quicker and get some stuff out to guys as soon as we get it in that are going to want it. So that's uh, – I wanted to get them in there while he was hitting on it because, again, you know, that's an important part of it, especially if you've got everything else. If you can add that supplemental feed and protein and stuff, uh, that's a good way to do it. And if you're going to do that, go ahead and support us. That's a way – it helps us out. It helps you out so everybody wins there, and it helps these guys out. And – Everything I've seen from them and talking to their guys, they're a pretty good company, so and pretty good guys out there, and especially to be helping us out, starting out like we're doing, uh, I think that speaks a lot to what they're doing. So use that discount code, and that's going to show them that you heard about their stuff on our podcast, and again, that'll really help us out as well. So, and we'll keep making this thing better for you, but that is kind well, of the end. Got of- video. I'm- you got yeah. Jeff over there. How much more improvement can you? I think, well, if we can get Nate on every week and uh, the cowboy, the cowboy, the cowboy. <laughs> but our female fans will pick up then. Nate gets on. <laughs> yeah, they won't well, know what to do. call him cowgirls. <laughs> Impossible. Anyway, that's uh, that'll do it for the article for this week. So, you got any more thoughts on you know just any of that or anything you got to add? I uh, not really. I mean, will I get a drink? <laughs> no, I mean, I just like the idea that, you know, there's more to growing deer and deer health, not just the antler growth and stuff, but mm-hmm. overall herd health, uh, which is a major factor in everything. Yeah. And, you know, there's more to it than just protein. You know, there's more ingredients involved in that. And so you can't just focus just on protein. You know, you got to throw it all, you know, try to improve all aspects of it to get the desired effect that you're striving for. Yeah, and it's not just about feeding that two and a half or three and a half year old buck. It's about feeding that and getting the health up of that doe that's carrying that. Like I said, the, 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 whole, the whole yeah. herd. Yeah, the whole herd. You got to manage the whole herd to get. Yep. A good that's deal. where you're really going to see your benefit year over year, and then eventually with your once you start, you know. Expanding your age class, I guess, is not really the word I'm thinking, but 
like yeah. Dusty was talking about last week, which they're starting to get the age class there on their properties and stuff where they're seeing older deer and they're able to shoot now five and a half, six and a half year old deer. Um, they're not looking to shoot four and a half plus year old deer. Right. Where where they're at, they can do that, you know. And that's not to say four and a half year old deer isn't mature deer, because in my opinion, it still is. But yeah. you can build your way up to being able to do what they're doing, and then you're just going to see that much more growth. Because you know, general rule of thumb, four and a half years old, they've reached ninety five percent of their antler growth. But some of those deer may make more of a jump than that from four and a half to five and a half. So it's just continually striving to be, you know, have a better herd. And I think overall age structure is an effect of having an overall healthier herd. And then one thing I did want to hit on that we see all the time at the shop, you can kind of tell, and you know, you can tell if a deer has come from a property that maybe not necessarily has been managed, but has a lot more of what the deer are actually needing just based on the fat content of the deer. Because you can speak to some of the deer we see come in that just lean, look like racehorses, not an inch of fat on, an ounce of fat on them. And then some of them just come in, you know, looking like an old bull with tons of fat on them. Yeah, you used to be able, I used to be able to tell you within reason, within probably 30 miles where a deer came from. Mm-hmm. What part of the, whether it was this county or that county or over here or over there, just based on the, the, the overall bulk or whatever you want to call it of the buck now does not so much but you know massive antlers maybe the just overall size of the deer you can almost tell but you know you hit on dusty a while ago you know he let's just say he managing the 1200 acres down there where he's talking about he's killing a lot different deer than most guys are killing even if they own 1200 acres because of the food plots and the time and effort he's putting into what he's putting in so yeah you know he him and his uncle and those guys are uncles and his dad are testament to what you can have is just because you have 1200 acres don't mean you're going to have those kind of deer you're yeah. not going to have a boone and crockett behind every tree just because you've got 1200 well, dusty acres. doesn't either right. but he has more of them than exactly. the average but but he's not just going out there and, and throwing some clover and, and walking out there and putting a stand right. in August either. Right. I mean, there's a ton and ton of work goes in there. He's reaping the benefits, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of fruits and a lot of labor in there. Right. But it is a testament to what you can do, whether you're hunting 12 acres or 1,200. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think the biggest difference in those two is where if you're hunting 12 acres, we've talked about it before, you really got to see what's around you. And what your biggest thing you can help benefit those deer is to make the most out of your 12 acres. Whereas if you have 1,200, you can break off a piece of that for, okay, this is going to be summer habitat and summer Mm -hmm. food where I can have my does falling in that. This other part of it's going to be where I want the bucks to come in in the fall and stay, you know. And then you've got the best of both worlds. Whereas, again, if you're on a smaller property, you got to kind of decide what you can do better, whether it be one or the other. But you have to, but it has to be done. You have to do it, and you have to maintain it. Exactly, yeah. you got to put in the work, no matter yeah, what. Absolutely, no matter because you can just have that twelve hundred acres, and that doesn't mean the deer are going to flock in there exactly. to the hundred and eighties and two hundred inch deer. Yeah, you know, and there's um, a difference. In my opinion, a well managed, and I mean it just bears itself out. A well managed twenty acre piece, you know, you could potentially have more opportunities at nicer deer than that thousand acre piece that you just don't do anything with. You know, especially if it's got some big old mature timber on it that doesn't have anything in there and grass fields and maybe some ag on it and that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to see a lot more nice deer consistently on that managed, well-managed 20 acres than you are that thousand that's not touched. And that's what we're striving for at my place. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, everything around me is big mature timber. You know, what timber there is is mature and not a whole lot of forage in the... Right. in the timber itself and so then you got some crp fields and and uh, ag ag fields you know and that's it you know and so i mean basically and you got you'll have some guys put little small hunting plots here and there you know <coughs> whatever they can do it for shovel and rake or whatnot and that's yeah. fine there's nothing wrong with that right you know but we're just kind of trying to pull the deer off especially the bucks you know we got does that stay in the woods but pretty much most of the time, yep. you know. So I got the does there, so let's get the does healthy and the fawns healthy, give the fawns a jump start. And then them bucks, like I said, they'll find that food source during the summer. They'll come in and take advantage of it at the night. Yep. You know, and then 
whenever the ruts hunting season and the rut starts kicking in well guess what they know the does are there the food's there so they're going to come off the neighbor's property on ours yeah because the biggest benefit we have on your ground is being able to hold those does and have them healthy for the bucks to come in during the rut right i mean and that's the thing on just your 20 acres you got to figure out what your biggest attraction is Mm -hmm. and for where you're at it's the does right and during the rut and it's kind of a natural travel place for many anyway during that time of year so If we can get some does in there and get them healthy and then have that feed for the bucks to find and come in and munch on, maybe, you know, maybe they come in a little too early one night and we get them that way. But essentially the biggest attraction is that doe, one or two doe families that we can hold in there. Yeah. If you was, if you used to get an aerial map of my place and you look around, my place is pretty much a central hub of what's surrounded by mm-hmm. it. And so I got a lot of deer that come in from different directions off of different properties especially during the rut, they'll come through there, you know, check things out, stay a day or two, then move on to the next place, you know. And But I got a group of does that pretty well stays there year-round. Yeah. You know, they'll make a circle, but it's a small circle. You know, they're usually in that woods. If they're not in there, I'm not going to say they stay in there every night or every day, but they're in there at least every other day. Yeah, I was going to say a good half the time. And if you least. give them what they need for their later gestation and, and early lactation they have no reason to go yeah, anywhere right They're especially in those times when they've got those young fawns mm-hmm. or just going to have those young fawns they're not going to travel any more than they have to yeah so if you provide them what they need then they're certainly going to stay there and they're more apt to stay there and come back and make those smaller circles and even during the rut later on mm-hmm. this year or any year basically yeah. yeah before we get too far away from it and I do want to talk more about yours and what we did, what you did today. But back to what we were talking about, um, if you're killing deer and you should be, whether you actually write it down or not, I think you should at least be making mental notes of the deer you kill, the number of them you're seeing and that stuff, the deer that look healthy and the deer aren't, and then the ones you do harvest and skin out. Take note of like the fat content on them and whether or not they look healthy. If you're shooting a whole bunch of deer that are just scrawny little things and they don't have any fat on them at all, and if you don't know what that looks like, you can look up the difference in them on you know Google. You can look up the difference in a deer that's got fat on it and a deer that doesn't. Um, take note of that and then think, maybe I'm doing something wrong here or not necessarily doing something wrong, but I'm not doing something I could be to have a healthier overall herd. And again, that goes back to like the deer coming here and what you were talking about earlier. You can tell if either whether it's the guys putting in the work or they're just a better general area. Like, again, back to Dusty, the deer he brings in, they're big, healthy deer. We talked about that last week. That doesn't always equate to fat. Now, bucks generally will, will feed up early, and they, they, you, you'll see a lot of fatter bucks in October, early November. But when they start rutting, they ain't eating. Right. They, right. They're doing a lot of things, but they eat and ain't one of them. No. And so... When you get into later part of November, that fat buck that was in October, he might be big, but he ain't fat. He doesn't run it all off mm-hmm. because he ain't eating. So, you know, you can you can equate healthy deer not necessarily to fat, depending on what time of year and what you're killing. You know I mean, there there is a difference. I think there. the does more so than the bucks probably because they're not running as hard. But you're gonna want to see some fat on the on the deer. If you're not, does will stay fat. Along, if you get a if, if you get healthy. a if they're healthy if you get a deer that a doe I'm sorry if you get a doe that's not fat long up in November uh, she's gonna have a hard winter uh, bucks I don't know whether they're gonna have a hard winter or not there ain't too many fat bucks in in uh, December right right and they're they're trying to put it back on you know they're gonna chase less but but the, for the other three weeks they're not eating but you're still gonna be able to see the difference in that. In a buck that's not healthy and one that is early based yeah. on well i think even during the rut you can probably tell because if there's a buck that isn't healthy to start with and he's not eating for three weeks chasing does he's going to look a lot worse than that buck that was healthy <laughs> well to start i don't with. think they're chasing the does they're, they've done got whipped by the healthy buck and he's just hobbling around somewhere they're, they're you know. trying to find whatever's available you yeah. know as far as the does go but there's also the other aspect of it too you're talking about healthy herd there's more to it than just feed you also got to do your herd management and control yeah. your population yep. you know and that's that's 
something that we can get into later but you know even dusty touched on that that you know his dad was the herd herd <laughs> control guy <laughs> yeah you know but i mean that's that's another aspect of it you know you you get too many deer on the property that you're management you get a, you outgrow your sustainable herd level you know well then the deer's health is as a whole is going to go the other way the whole herd not just the one yeah because they will eventually your property only can hold so many deer whether it's 1200 acres or 12 acres you can only have so many deer on it whether you're actually holding them all the time or not right you only have a certain capacity you can have on there and like you're talking about if you start to exceed that then you're going to have like a a kill off basically just from them starving themselves and you know it it does kind of go back to the food aspect of it you know the more natural browse and stuff you can have on it the better you do manage your property you're going to expand your holding capacity we'll call it but even then even if you're doing that stuff you still got to manage figure out you know your buck to doe how many actual number of deer not just necessarily buck to doe but the actual number of deer you've got roughly and decide whether that's too many or not because if it is too many you're going to have that you know kill and you might start finding those deadheads and thinking well do i have some disease or something well it may just be you got too many deer Mm -hmm. and then your numbers are going to rapidly decline because they've ate all the available food and resources and you're going to have those unhealthy deer and and dead deer in general so or they're going to move on somewhere else exactly yeah one way or the other you're not going to have the same number of deer so just because you're going out every evening and seeing 20 25 deer that might not be the best thing you may need that may be telling you that you need to go shoot some yeah i'd lot rather on that 20 acres of mine i'd a lot rather see just you know five or six does out there on the food plot than Mm -hmm. to look out there and see 30 of them yeah because and that's when you get into your diversity of your food that you've got in your plot as well if you only have a certain food that's that's available in the spring or a certain food that's available in the fall those deer may or may not stay you may have 20 deer let's just say you got spring food you may have 20 deer in the spring but if you don't have anything through the summer and the fall they're they, moving on they're gonna have yep. to yeah you're not gonna hold the same amount of deer because the food's not there no. same same kind of general idea if all you got is fall food you're trying to bring those deer into the fall well if somebody else has got spring summer and fall food ain't no reason for them deer to come to you right you know so I think it's diverse, divert, not only food plots, but diversity in your plot, which is exactly what you're doing. That's mm-hmm. uh, going to keep those deer there all year long if you give them a little something all year long. Yeah. Yep. And again, that comes back to, like, if you're in a smaller property, deciding what you need, what's around you, what's there. If yeah, you can't, you can't whole... fight the 100-acre field of corn, yeah. but there's yeah. no need to. Plant right. what, what's right. not there when the corn, or plant what's there when the corn's not. Yep. exactly and then you're going to see that those deer come to you you know when yep. that corn's gone and yep. same way as if your neighbor has uh a whole bunch of fall stuff we'll say whatever they're doing maybe you can go in there and still plant some fall stuff so that they're not leaving you when when your summer stuff's gone but go in there and plant some clover mix or something that's going to be clover and chicory or something that's going to be there in the spring and summer pull at least some does onto you at that time of year and then hold them through the fall as well because then they've got whatever fall food you've planted too, which is kind of what we're doing uh-huh. where you're at um, on that. And since we're uh, kind of circling back around to that, I know we did the vlog. You guys can check that out. We worked that soil. What day was that? It's been a few days ago now. I think this will Saturday. Come Saturday. So it'll be last Saturday. I think this is still going to come out on Friday. And that's one thing I want to hit on real quick. We might have to change the night we record because of some other stuff that's going on. So this might start coming out on a different day of the week. If it does, I'll make an announcement and all that. But for right now, I think it's still shooting for Friday. So anyway, back to your property. We went in and worked that after we'd burned it. We burned it the first time, did a pretty good job. But we went back in the next day just because everything was matted down and it was pretty wet. Uh, Again, just like everything else this time of year, it was the day we had to do it. Mm -hmm. So... We went back in actually the next day. Yeah, next the evening, next evening. Mm-hmm. And we burned that again. Did a really good job that second yeah. time of getting all that stuff that was matted down. So then we went back in back in and worked it. And Saturday. it was a, it was a little heavy. Yeah, it was wet. But which it, we expected that to be. Yeah. But we accomplished what we wanted to. Yeah. You know, we chopped some roots. 
we got that soil opened up and stuff so it'd be drying out um, whatever that matting stuff was left we kind of chopped it up as well mm-hmm. so then today you went in there and kind of worked it a second time yeah i had <laughs> i got a little homemade looked like a piece of junk if you just look at it <laughs> right people look at it and say what in the world is that you know right maybe i should get it patented i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's like a disc blades on the front and then chisel plow points in the back mm-hmm. and so i went in there today uh we got a little shower this morning and not enough to hurt anything we was gonna get a big rain tonight and so i was wanting to turn that over you know because that disc there's places it was the soil was wet enough that all we did was just slice the ground i mean we cut the roots but we didn't flip the dirt over right well this tool here that i was pulling today um, went at an opposite angle what we worked the ground with the disc so i was able to flip that over pull up more roots turn the grass upside down you know where it'll die and and go back into the soil's nutrients and stuff decompose better yep and so i was able to do that that you know it looks rough but that's what i wanted it to look like you know so we can get that stuff knocked down killed these rains all that soil will melt back together yep. and then hopefully the next time we go in there and we can work it down for a seed bed yep and i think we'll get really good results after that and i think all everything you turned up today too getting deeper in there anything that is left uh, old seeds and stuff, we're going to see that come up. Then the next time we work it, we're going to get rid of that too. Yeah. And like I said uh, on the video, both videos, I think one benefit to doing it this way, and you can't always because you don't always have the time or maybe the available equipment to get to where you need to, but going in and doing it this way, we're going to save, especially like now that it's expensive, as expensive as it is, we're saving a lot of herbicides mm-hmm. doing it this way. We're still going to have to probably spray the clover depending on what it looks like. Uh, just because there was grass there before, so there may be some of it that comes back up. Yeah, I'm sure there will be some, but it won't be as much. Exactly. We're still, we're not going to hopefully have to use any glyphosate. Uh, yeah. We might end up having to spray some, spray some cleth on it, you know, once it starts mm-hmm. coming up. We'll just have to play that by here. Right. But again, like you said, it won't be as much as what it would have been had we just gone in there, sprayed that, worked it once, and planted it. Right. Because then you're going to see all that stuff that has been sitting there dormant mm-hmm. for years or whatever, you didn't get killed and it had already gone to seed mm-hmm. that you just planted basically when you dissed it. You're going to see all that stuff come back up with your clover, and then your clover is going to be fighting it, and you're going to have to mow it more, and you're going to have to spray it more yeah. to get that clover established. So I think we got to we'll definitely have a head start as far as getting the clover established like it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, and anything you can do to stay at one step, you know, that's the key point, just stay one step ahead. Yep. You know, just stay a step ahead of the program, you know, and you know if you have to work it two or three times to get that stuff killed out we'll work it two or three times you well, know i think i think you hit the nail on hit a program yeah it's you gotta a, have a program no matter what it is it's a program it's not a one and done yeah uh, you can be one and done but that's the results you're going to get right so it's a program and, and sometimes it's a three four five year program yeah you know so yeah we ain't going to go in there and this is going to be the best food plot in the whole world and this year you know we're going to have to work at it for years to come, yep. you know, uh, frost seeding, overseeding, you know, and just keep going and going. It's like I said, it's a program. Yep. Yeah. Even with the tools and the knowledge at our disposal, it's still, it's going to be a, you're not going to see a luscious little food plot there in the first year. It's just, it just doesn't happen that way. No, this ain't going to be a Bill Jordan food plot. <laughs> not this year. Not this year. Right. And we'll see. But theirs wasn't in one year either. Exactly. exactly. We will see better results this year than we would have had we just done it the other way and spent less time on it and maybe only worked it once, sprayed it yeah. and worked it once and planted it. So uh, my expectations are a little bit higher than maybe they would be normally. But again, just like anything else, it's a process. Right. And you, you get out of it what you put into it. Yep. You know, well, I, if you plant corn, it's going to come up and grow. Right. Mm. Okay. Switchgrass isn't that way. That's no. a three-year thing. You know, same way with clover. You're not going to have that luscious field of clover the first year. It doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. So even the care and, and all that the, the, the attention that we're going to pay to it, it's still a program in, yeah. in two, three, four, five-year program if that's what you want. Right. And then over all of that, Mother Nature has to cooperate as well. Because yeah. we could put in all this work in it, and then we don't get a drop of rain for two months. It's going to yeah, really suck. It's, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, which you know, and that's the bet. That's a good thing. I'm I know a guy. You, I'm glad you brought that up. Is that uh, chicory? Chicory is a very drought resistant. Yep. Uh, forage. Yep. And so, uh, even if your clover dies, or you know, dies down or goes dormant because of the drought or whatever, your chicory is still going to be there, and it's still yep. going, it's still going to keep growing. Maybe not as rapidly or whatever, right. but it's still going to maintain its DOM and everything for the deer during the drought and mm-hmm. hopefully that'll sustain them you know until you get a rain yeah and that's one of, i think probably the three biggest benefits to chicory number one it germinates a little quicker than the clover so it's going to take some browse pressure off of it mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's one a and one b would be the deer love it yeah and then two or three whatever however you want to do it um, it's really drought resistant like you're talking about yeah. so even on a dry year you're still going to have something there and that that kind of leads us into some of these more digestible blends and stuff. And we've hit on a few of them, and we can talk about them some more. But as far as spring food plots, kind of some of the stuff that we like that we're going to do. Obviously, we talked about the clover and chicory. Um, and then the summer blends, the soil builders and stuff like that. As much as those are for building your soil and for like your fall plots and stuff, you're going to have some stuff in there that the deer are going to eat too. And they're going to see some benefit from it. Uh, buckwheat, I think, is a really good one mm-hmm. that I like to use. And that's kind of that same thing. It'll help with your soil. Keeps It's a weed suppressor, too. So if you're going to go in there and plant something in the fall, you can just plant it right into it. Spray that, roll it, spray it. Um, and you're not having any weed issues, as many weed issues as you would have. And then your fall stuff will just grow right up underneath of it. Um, so buckwheat, those other fall or summer soil building blends that you've got. The clover and chicory. Um, and you think of any, obviously you want to stay away from the grasses and stuff uh, as far as food goes. Um, you think of any other spring uh, and summer, I can think of a couple big ones, corn and beans, but anything, and that depends on where you're at, I guess, but anything that you can think of as far as spring food plot blends that we really, we like to do. Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, the corn, you know. The corn naturally, mostly right now during the spring, and that all that's going to really provide is just cover for them. Right. Uh, you know, we'll leave the corn standing, you know, this fall, and mm. so <clears throat> they'll be able to eat corn when there won't be no corn around exactly. because today's machinery, there ain't much corn left. And yeah. Whatever is, you know, they they shell the corn so early anymore. Whatever corn is on the ground, it sprouts, you know, right away. Right. And so. <coughs> Uh, we're going to have that there. The soybeans, the soybeans does provide forage and nutrition during the spring and summer months. And then also, since we don't obviously ain't going to harvest them, it also gives them a food uh, source in the fall and winter, especially the winter months. So you know we're going to have that. But and then you know like, like we talked about, we'll put some kind of greens out for fall in the other part of the plot. So I just. <laughs> The clover chicory has always been my go-to. Yep. That's what I like best. That's what I prefer personally. It's always worked good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've never really di- dove into the other stuff. Right. And I think, you know, it's really hard to beat soybeans for deer because they really like it and it does have a lot of nutritional value. I mean, especially for like a new plot where maybe you don't have the time to put into it like we're putting into yours. You could go in there and plant soybeans. Like you said, you plant quarter beans, they're going to come up that year. As long as you plant them right, you know, and as long as your soil content's where it needs to be. So first things first, you got to make sure your pH and all your, uh, like your soil content's there, what you need, all the elements are up to where they need to be. But if you can go in and plant beans and then you can broadcast clover into that in the fall, you're going to have that summer source for them when the beans are green, they'll eat the leaves off of this stuff. And then you're obviously leaving it for the deer. So they eat the beans out of the pods in the fall and the winter. And then if you broadcast that clover in, in the fall, it's going to, come up that spring so you're going to have a good at least a decent stand that first year and then it'll give you a head start on working on your clover too not only that too uh, if you uh if you want to spend a little bit extra money most of your corn and soybean varieties that you can buy now are roundup resistant yeah exactly so you know you don't have to have your ground perfectly weed proof grass proof whenever you plant yeah you know you can go in there and if the soil conditions ain't right to work it you can go in there and no-till it and then after 
your uh, corn soybeans come up and get so tall, then you can go over it with Roundup, you know, and kill whatever grass and weeds is there. So it's a good tool to help get rid of your undesirable yep. Uh, yep. weeds and grass. And then plus two, after, you know, your beans and corn gets so tall, well, then they're shading all that stuff out. And so it's not going to grow as bad either. So Yep. And it, again, if you only have a time to work it once and plant it, anything you didn't already get killed, you know, you come back in a month later, whatever they recommend, and spray that stuff, you can kill it out. And then it's just a really good, especially for new plots, I think. Yeah. If you get beans in there and keep the deer from eating them all down, which comes back to all the natural browse and stuff like that. But it's a really good way to get started, I think, is another good summer one to talk about. But mm-hmm. unless you guys got anything else, I think that'll pretty much do it for episode 31. No, I'm good. All right. So you guys want to support us, of course, you can go use our discount code at Rax Big Game Supplements, uh, RaxMinerals.com. You can go to our YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, hit your notification bell. That way you can see when we're coming out with new stuff. If you're listening to this on Spotify, follow us there or Apple uh, Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a review. I don't know if they have a follow button or subscribe button or not. But anyway, leave us a review on there. Again, uh, if you're not watching this, you can go see the video on YouTube. So if you're listening to it on one of those things or even on the website, then you can go watch this on YouTube if you want to see what we look like. For if you want to see reason. what the Jeff looks like. <laughs> yeah. The but, cowboy's not here. No, yeah. the cowboy's not here. We'll get him on eventually. We'll but anyway, him on there's some ways you guys can support through that stuff. And then on YouTube, go ahead and comment. Let us know what you think. If you ever have any questions, you can do that. If you ever have anything you want us to cover specifically, comment on there. Send us a message through the website, ridgehunteroutdoors.com. You can contact us through there. If you need food, plot, seed, order it from there. Stop in the shop over here next to the locker inside Sick Inc.'s building where you can also get your T-shirts if you want some T-shirts. Um, and you can get your stuff there. We can order it for you, whatever we don't have. So It's like one-stop shopping. It is. Yep. So those are some ways you guys can help support us so we can keep making this podcast better. And keep I told you out. earlier, it can't get much better. Well, if we had Nate here. You got the fry on. Yeah, if we had Nate. That that would be the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go from really good to the best. No. Yeah, well, I'm not. The content is there, obviously. But, I mean, as far oh, as the, the but you, but quality. But you have to have some eye candy for the ladies. Well, I mean, the quality of uh, video. Don't turn this camera on. No, no I'm, talking, <laughs> I'm talking about the cowboy. I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about the quality of audio and video. So we could get the eye candy in HD, Ooh. higher quality HD than what we have now. He, he is married. You realize that, don't you? What, what's that better? They can look. We can still use him as bait. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we've, we've, what we have thinking? caught fish. <laughs> I, obviously, I wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you guys want to support. Those are some ways you can do it. This... Like I said, I think it's probably Friday when this is coming out. But we'll get another one out next week, so catch us then. Thanks, everybody.